Pennywise, the dancing clown. Pennywise, yes, meet Georgie. Georgie, meet the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, It Chapter One. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Psycho Clown, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, Rick, the Big Deck Boski Bowers. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited to, to jump in and, and, and see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by this one, certainly, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's take care of some business first. Last week, we had a great time talking Casino Royale. Really fun episode. We talked James Bond. Actually, this is kind of a, a, a back-to-back Derek. We had James Bond, and then we have It, so you can, you can rant a little bit. The many shades of wreck in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can check that one out. You can check out any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It is incredibly helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that episode or if there's any other movie or anything you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our old friend that we used to ride our bikes around town with, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But now, let's start floating down here with It. It is a 2017, or It Chapter 1, depending on how you stylize it, is a 2017 adaptation of part of the Stephen King novel of the same name, directed by Andy Machete. It stars Jaden Lieberer as Bill Denborough, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh, and Finn Wolfhard as Richie Tozier. It made $701.8 million on a $35 million budget. Tidy little profit there. It's got a 7.3 on IMDb, an 86% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 69% on Metacritic, which, as we know, is the sex number. <laughs> Mark Kermode of The Observer over in the UK in his own YouTube channel, check that one out, very entertaining, it says four out of five. Might not hit as hard on the horror aspect, but it's a difficult movie to resist. Richard Roper says four out of four. It says not a single misstep in the casting. And the casting is the most important part. Lindsay Barr of the Associated Press for a negative one says it jumps around and it lacks coherence. Derek, we've been hyping this one up for a while. You've, uh, you've got some strong opinions on it. I do. I do. Do and... you remember? Now, we saw this together for the first time in the theater. Am I right? Did we? I think so. I know I started at the theater. Okay, okay. Uh, that makes sense though, because I yeah. mean, I think you knew especially. I was really excited to see this movie. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of the of the miniseries It from 1990 with Tim Curry. Um, it used to terrify me as a kid, and as I got older, I just liked it more and more, and became kind of like a cult classic in my house. And uh, yeah, I was, I was super excited to see this movie. We saw it, and I, um, I mean, I guess we we'll, we can get into it now. I mean, I was pretty let down by it. I have seen it at least five or six times since this movie came out because I wanted to like it. And, uh, but we'll get into that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely saw it when it just came out. I think it was like, if anything, we saw it like a couple of days after it came out. It was very quick for us. Yes. I think we, we saw it that Friday or Saturday that it, that it came out. And I, I like this more than you and you like the mini series more than I do. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's say it up front and get out of the way. 
Tim Curry's performance as, as Pennywise in the, uh, in, in the miniseries is incredible. Yeah, uh, it's, it's and, and, you know, and, and Rick, I will say this, but I will do my absolute best not to compare every single yeah. thing to the miniseries because that's not fair. This is right. a separate thing. I understand it, so I'm going to do my best. It's a separate thing, and it's structured differently. Yeah, which may or may not be to the benefit of the movie, right? Especially after what they do in the sequel. We're, we're going to touch on the sequel a bit, but I, I will we'll try to focus more on this one because yep. I think the what they do in the sequel has ramifications for this one, right? Yep. Whereas the the miniseries is structured more like the book where it's like kind of weaving in and out of the kids and the adults. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about what happens in this movie. And this is a quick one because it's, it's a big story and I try to pare it down as basically as, as I could. We'll, we're going to talk a lot about the surrounding stuff. So Derek, have you picked a song? Um, yeah, and so... Is it Tears of a Clown? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a song that had negative connotation because, you know, I don't like this movie that much, but I, I stayed within the movie and I'm going with uh, You Got the Right Stuff by New Kids on the Block. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so are you ready? I'm ready. Count me Actually, down. You, know, you know what? Screw that. I'm going with the Weird Al version, The White Stuff, which is about the middle of an Oreo. All right. Three, two, one, go. A creature in the form of a clown called Pennywise is feeding on the children of a town in Maine, and it's up to a group of nerds to stomp him. Led by, or her, actually. Led by Bill, whose brother was killed by Pennywise, the stuttering head of the group, the Losers Club is tormented by the monster, which taps into their deepest fears. Ultimately, the club must unite to rescue Beverly, a member of the club who'd been kidnapped by the creature, and get over their fears, get over their fears to defeat the monster. It. All right, 27 seconds. Yep. So that's very basic, uh, what happens in there. There's a lot of flavor in this, as you would expect from an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. I really love the novel. Yes. It's it's one of my top Stephen King books, I would say. But I think the problem with the novel is that it is too weird to possibly capture it on film. But yeah, uh, even if you made like 14 more remakes of this, I don't think any of the directors are ever really going to get the novel right. Well, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to okay. our thoughts on that. But let's talk about what we do like about the movie. Let's stay positive. This is a positive <laughs> podcast that we talk about what we like about movies for the most part. This may be our most negative episode that we do, <laughs> but until we do part two, uh, chapter two. Of this, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Which is a fucking disaster. Part yes. two is a disaster. Let's just, can we, me and Rick are both saying this right now, straight up. It chapter two is a fucking disaster. It's a mess. The casting is good and it pisses me off that they wasted it. Yep. So let's talk about our top three scenes of this movie. Let's start, let's focus on part one. Yeah. Because again, we're going to, part two is going to weave in and out of this because there's, they do stuff in part two that relates to this that yeah. doesn't, doesn't work it makes it makes we'll get we'll get to it. all right so let's talk about our top three scene derek what's your number three all right so yeah i didn't like it but there are some likable things about this movie uh and number three for me was uh mike hanlon's encounter with pennywise for the first time i thought this scene worked really well um i don't think this movie is scary at all the only scary parts i think have to do with henry bowers personally um and this actually this sort of has something to do with Henry and Pennywise because because uh, Mike is like in the front of like a, a business. These like these, uh, you know, hands come out of the door and they're like burnt. And we don't really know what that is yet until later in the movie when it's discussed and what actually happened. So it's kind of a callback to an earlier scene, which is kind of interesting because you're kind of like, what are these hands? What does this mean? The door flies open. Pennywise is hanging from like a, a thingy, like a meat hook, and he's eating something like a sheep or a lamb or something. And then his eyes glow and look at Mike. And th- this seemed very book to me. And then as soon as he sees this happen, he sees Pennywise. Henry and his goons fly by and almost hit Mike. And he throws a cigarette at him. He says, get the fuck out of my town. And he drives away. And it happens so quick that 
I kind of like the fact that they put the Pennywise stuff and, and the sadistic Henry Bauer stuff together because Derry is a fucked up town now. Um, yeah. So they go hand in hand. So this scene I thought actually worked. So that was my number three. Yeah, I think they do a good job of saying, like, this town is sick. Like, Pennywise or it, the creature, whatever you want to call it, is the infection. And the racism and the, the like, awful, shitty people that are in this town are the symptoms of this thing. But I think they should have gone harder into that. That's my one thing. Like it, When you, you know, say harder, like, because I, I think this movie, if somebody says to me, this movie's a horror, I want to laugh. Because for me, it's not yeah. scary. It just, they didn't, they I, didn't get the horror aspect of it at all. I think it's more creepy. It's more like, yeah. you know, than, than horror. Like, I right. think when I say they should have gone harder, it's like, go more into, and this was in, you know, something I found in my research, more of what was in the Kerry Fukunaga version or Fukunaga version and Kerry Fukunaga is a guy who was at the time coming off season one of True Detective which was the perfect tone for what it should be I feel like yeah yeah I think so yeah. you know the, the, you know the king in yellow and like the you know what is what is happening I think that that would really work his draft of the script was like flashback see the fire and there was like a scene where in the book it would have been um, Mike's grandfather and his friend, who's in the book, who would have been probably unnamed in the movies, Dick Halloran from the from The Shining. That's true, yeah. They escape the fire, and they just see Pennywise, like, eating the corpses. And they're like, yeah, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, this is, like... And then there's a lot of, like, they kind of go up to the line, and then they, they back off. You know, there's the scene where the pharmacist is, like, creeping on Bev. Yeah. And it's like he's there's all these shitty people just make everyone even more shitty you know and like that they cut out all the patrick hawksetter stuff from the book right which it couldn't could not have been on tv because of censors and you know may or may not have gotten this movie in nc-17 so maybe they couldn't do that but you know i i think they went so far to they went so far to remove him in the miniseries um, right you know but they at least brought him back here there's actually i mean i guess i'll throw this in here now but there's actually if, if, I this is one of those movies where I have a favorite scene that's not even in the movie because they were thinking about filming it and then they decided this is too dark and fuck you dude do it we want this yeah. to be dark and that is the, the flashback of when like it's like I don't know like the 1600s and Pennywise like convinces a mother to like give her his, his give him his, her baby and he eats it like yeah. that's the type of horror shit that I want to see from the story because it is terrifying. And right. again, this director is like, eh, it's too much. It's like, well, you're not going to get what you want from the audience, right? You're not giving us that. Well, you know? we'll get, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So my number three scene, uh, staying positive here, is the the sequence in the house on Nebold Street. They're they're going through this this sort of haunted house, and everyone is being tormented by whatever their biggest fear is. It gets to the point where it's like Richie is like in the room full of clowns, like these fucking clowns, fuck these clowns. And then Pennywise jumps out of him. He's like trying to kill and, and eat Eddie and like torment him. There's the scene where the, the Richie and Bill come to the three doors and one says very scary. One says scary. One says not scary at all. And it's just like, they got a good laugh out of me. That was like, the that's kind of like, you do need to have some fun in this movie because otherwise it's just too much but that's the kind of stuff that works where it's like pennywise is just like playing with his food and like that's where a lot of the humor comes from but i really like that that sequence here so what is your number two so this was one of those subtle subtle things that you sometimes i mean i think a lot of people didn't catch this um but it's the scene where ben and again i'm going to specifically say this is the first half of the scene that i liked i didn't like the second half of the scene first half of the scene is ben is in the library after they leave school and he's going through this book of like old town dairy you know and all the different things that happened and there was like an easter egg hunt and it exploded and it killed all these kids and he sees like the kid's head in the tree while he's looking through the pages the librarian in the background is looking at ben like viciously and it's very straight to camera 
it's it, and it's and you can't really see her face because it's kind of distorted and it's blurry, but you can see that it's like malicious, and it's one of those little creepy things that works so well. And I wish I had seen more of that in the movie. Uh, second half of the scene when he's downstairs and the headless thing is just jerking around. I hate, I hate, I hate jerking uh, monsters. I just jerk their bodies. It's not scary, uh, but that first half is really clever and really cool, and it's one of those things you could have missed easily. So that's my number two. So my number two scene is an excellent jump scare and that is when they're in the in the garage and they're going through this slideshow of pictures and you the lights go out and it's like you see it coming from a mile away but it still works because the image is very creepy and like the size of pennywise so basically pennywise shows up in these family photos and like flickers and the, you know the projector goes on and off and the lights go out in the garage and pennywise is like huge in the image and then suddenly Pennywise is huge in reality. And that's that's what works. And it's just like the stuff that really does work for me in this movie is Pennywise messing with these kids. And that's that's one of the best examples of how he does that. So, Derek, what is your favorite scene? My favorite scene is, in my opinion, one of the – well – there's two of the, the scariest things in the movie to me. One of them, and I'm not going to mention any scenes, but Beverly's father is just fucking yeah. terrifying. Uh, number two, uh, but, but my favorite scene is actually the scene where Henry Bowers uh, goes to his mailbox, sees the red balloon hanging from it. He opens the box and it's a, it's a, new, a new knife for him. And he goes inside and he murders his father in cold blood while the TV screen is playing this like weird like kids show thing, which, by the way, is also playing in Eddie's mother's house. All the parents seem to be watching this weird kids show for some reason. But he kills his father in cold blood with a knife into his neck. And his Henry's reaction to what he just did is is, is just shock. Uh, and then you see Pennywise in the screen and they're all saying, you know, kill them all, kill them all, whatever they're saying. And that is, for me, one of the more intense scenes of the movie. I, I personally think that the Henry Bauer scenes are the more are the more frightening scenes in the movie because he's a you know a straight up psychopath and, and I'm actually surprised you know I know with the day and age that we live in right now not a lot of directors want to go into that racism thing uh, you know yeah. you know besides Quentin Tarantino but he doesn't use any racism whatsoever in this movie it's hinted at when yeah. he is talking to Mike but that's, he never says anything that's what I'm saying like they should have done that uh, I'm surprised you're saying that <laughs> um, well, well because but, that's I mean I'm not saying like you, you get you get understand like this this movie takes place in 1989 you know the there were those words were being flung around they still are in in maine you right. know it's it's you know i love maine it's a beautiful place to be but it's um you know it's not the most diverse place in, in north america right. and you know a, a bully in the 80s would be saying that and like to yeah to establish like the real you know the clown is scary right but what the clown does to the town is the real horror right you know it's going back to the beginning of like this town being incorporated in the country there's the pictures of these this clown that's messing with everyone and you know the in the book and in the the original script they were like the black spot fire is done by the kkk right and obviously henry bowers is like a fucking lunatic yeah so of course he would you know he would racially attack these people and they kind of do he's like stay out of my town well you know right right he's not saying that because he's a homeschool kid (laughs) right well and, and what they don't do with with racism in this movie they do do with homophobia in the second one yes. um so but and again not that it's you know something that i look forward to seeing but it's it it at least keeps some feeling of the book yeah so my number one scene is the opening um it's you know it's just iconic you the kid i i get the feeling that this is the image stephen king sometimes when he talks about writing he's like sometimes my stories just grow out of like an image I get in my head and I can't shake it. And I just write a story around it. And like, I get the feeling that at least part of this book was like Stephen King was sitting around enjoying some substances and was like a kid in a raincoat and a clown in the sewer. What is that? Let me expand on that. Mm -hmm. And that image just lives in people's heads. 
since the book came out and with the miniseries and with this movie. And I like the, you know, and again, they couldn't do that, have done this on TV in the early nineties, but I like that this one goes further and it's like, you see his arm come off, you see the pool of blood, you see him like start to like consume this kid. I like the little bit at the end where the woman looks out of her front porch and like sees this pool of blood and it's like, yep. Yeah, I, how I, it is. I, I have several issues with this scene, um, but we'll get to it. Okay, so that's what we liked about the movie. Let's get to our least favorite part. And I'll go first because I, I know you have, you have more. Yep. But I think we talked a little bit. The sequel makes this movie worse. Yes. Right? Like I was watching it. This is probably the first time I've watched the whole movie. I've seen bits and pieces on TV since I've seen the sequel. And I was like, there's no way, like they don't hint towards Richie being gay at all. No, none, zero. It's not in there at all. Uh, Like Henry Bowers clearly dies at the end of this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, how how do you survive that? I don't think it's And it's just like, they just bring him back. Just like, eh, he's fine. He's fine. He's he's good. He breaks his neck like 24 times on the way down. Yep, and you know it works in this movie, self-contained. But when you bring him back, it doesn't work. Well, the one thing I said in the movie to myself, or maybe I turned to somebody and I was just like, "Well, I guess Henry's not in the sequel." Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I there was, there was no hint. There was, yeah, there's no yeah. hint of him being alive. Like, what? yeah, we we walked outside and I was like, "How are they going to do the sequel?" Because Henry's a big part in the adult section of the book, right? And I was like, "Well, he's clearly gone," and they're just like, they don't even explain it. But that's more of a problem with the second one. Um, there's a lot missing, a lot of flavor missing from the books. And we talked about that a little bit, you know, the, the Patrick Hawksetter stuff where it's just like, that kid is the most, you know, that kid's the scariest part of the book where he's yeah. just like, if, for those of you who don't know, there's among other very disturbing things about him. He is a psychopath in, in the truest sense of the word where his parents have a younger child and He's Patrick Hoxetter believes that he's everyone else is fake and he's the only one that exists. And when this child comes home with his parents, he's saying, you know, well, if I came home from the hospital, with my parents and this kid came home from the hospital, with my parents, maybe that's another real thing in the world. And then he kills it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I, I wish that there was more going into the, the surrounding town more going into Derry and just how fucked up that is, which brings me to my largest point. I don't think this story works as a movie or as a mini series necessarily. Right. Like I think it needs to be 10 hours on a streaming service. Agreed. Agreed. To, to really fully explore what King was trying to do. Yes. So, and I mean, I think that I, I know you have a lot of specific issues with it, I'm betting that kind of covers a lot of what your issues are. Yeah, it does. It does. But I I also, a lot of what I'm about to say are things that I just don't think that work in this movie. Um, I have just big misses, big swings and misses, bottom line. Let's go. What do you got? So let's start from the very, and again, I I promise I wouldn't bring up the miniseries that much, but I'm going to try to uh, bring in the book more as well. The one thing I thought didn't work in this movie was the 80s. Um, And I think... I don't know what it is. I think the miniseries was, was taking place in the fifties. The book was the fifties. Yeah. I think the fifties works better because it's for me specifically, I, I didn't grow up in the fifties. So the fifties are a foreign thing to me where everything was happy, go lucky. Everybody was smiling, leave it to beaver type stuff. And then you bring in this horrific, horrific story that takes place in the fifties in a new England town. For me, I was like, Ooh, that's just so creepy because the fifties seems so innocent in a lot of ways. You bring the story to the 80s, it just – it was so forced. You know, the, the bed uh, – Bill's bedroom of those, like, the, the gremlins and the Beetlejuice poster. And I'm like, I get it. It's the 80s. It just seems so, like, you know, a teenager put this together. Like, oh, let's make sure that we people know it's the 80s, you know. Let's say, where's the beef, Richie says. And I'm like, that's not funny, and it's not even clever. Um, there's a lot of those moments where I'm, everyone's wearing, like, these shirts. And I'm just like, I get it. I get it. But 
for me, the eighties was a miss. I just, it didn't See, feel I right to me. Zero problem with that. Like said it where it's a story that works whenever, honestly, I don't, like, honestly, I don't think the so. Only, I don't think the it only does. time I would say, I, I shouldn't say whenever, because I don't know if the story works, if the kids have cell phones, but anytime before then, I think. Yeah. It, it just, it just, I, I didn't feel the creepiness as much as I did in the fifties. That's just one thing for me personally. The, the filmmakers thinking that they made Pennywise the Clown scary, I would have been somebody right off the bat to say, there's a couple of pictures they showed of Pennywise very early on was a close-up of his face, and I went, ooh, that's kind of cool. The more I saw of Pennywise, the less scary I thought he was. I did like the concept of like that old-school clown. I thought that was kind of cool, but I didn't like the teeth they gave him, like the two little buck teeth. I think that was goofy. I didn't think it was scary. Um, and then... The, the, I just feel like they ruined Bill Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård's performance with CGI. One thing I can mention right off the bat is the beginning scene that you had mentioned. I thought it didn't play right. I didn't like Georgie that much. I thought the, the actor didn't do his due diligence. I don't care if he's a kid actor or not, but when you get your arm either ripped off or eaten, you fucking scream, curdling scream. You know, go, ah, Billy. I didn't buy it. It was bad. Just straight up bad for me. Um, I like the, the Georgie in the original better because it just I like the, the the nuances of just showing Pennywise about to eat you and the, the camera stops. That's what works well in so many things is the things that you don't see. It, it's using your imagination. Pennywise reaching his arm all the way. The CGI, the, the way his mouth opened, I was like, I, I just think 400 directors could have made that better. It just the CGI looked really bad to me in that scene. But again, Pennywise in general, not scary to me throughout the movie. You, another scene you mentioned where he gets really big. It's the cr- really quick jump scares that they try to focus on. And for me, again, this is for me, not for everybody. Jump scares are not what horror is about to me. Horror is about slow burn creepiness airiness it makes you think about it at night i don't go to bed going wow that jump scare is still getting me i think about the airiness of things that's what scares me so yeah did that jump scare work of course it worked the first time the let the not last five times i saw it i said wow this is not as good as i thought it was the first time so little things like that i just feel like the the again the town Henry Bowers and Beverly's father were the scariest parts of this movie. So they did a good job with that. But I feel like Pennywise the Clown is the villain. So make him as terrifying as you can. And, you know, and again, another problem I had is, you know, you have Mike being beaten down by Henry and his friends. Like they're forcing his face into this like raw meat. And if I was specifically going to say something that I don't like is Mike has nothing to do in this movie. No, he doesn't. He has nothing to do with the story whatsoever. They do not do a good job with Mike yeah. in this movie. Um, they, they're forcing his head down into the meat. It's all about Henry. Mike looks up and sees Pennywise eating a kid's arm, and he waves with the arm. And I'm wondering, with all the Mike scenes, they always force Pennywise into the Henry Bowers stuff. And they want to make it so they're like back-to-back. And I get it, but it just made me feel like the Henry Bowers stuff was scarier than the Pennywise stuff. And that really bothered me because in the original – Every time I saw Pennywise, I wanted to crawl under a fucking blanket. Maybe because I was a kid. Even today, when I see images of Pennywise with the razor-sharp teeth, Tim Curry, I'm like, that is scary. They did a good job to scare me there. For this makeup, they, I think they hurt Bill Skarsgård's performance because he does the cool eyes. He does the cool smile. It's still not enough to, for me to be scared. So that's really all my Pennywise stuff. A uh, couple of things that I just like uh, – just I don't know, just make me feel kind of strange – Pennywise, when he attacks people, he does this shake thing with his head. And it's like, it almost reminds me of Curly from the Three Stooges about to, about to start running. It was very like, they thought this was scary when things just jerk a lot. Uh, all the monsters in the movie are not scary. The only one that was remotely scary to me was the one that, um, what's his face? Um, Stan, the, the painting of the woman. Yeah. It was very here's, awkward. Here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say to, to your point where it does work better in the 50s aspects of it like kids in the 50s were easier to scare like the things that scare like there's they edit it out or they change it from the book uh and i I forget if it's even in the miniseries where it's like the one of them is scared by like the wolf man yeah you know and it's that works in the 50s they need to update it more like i was thinking i was like really it should be these kids are scared by like freddy krueger you know like, and I understand you can't get Freddy Krueger, but it should be like a Jason, where like the guy with a fucking chainsaw or something like that. Update what the scares are for the kids. Hmm. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I just thought like the leper, all the different monsters in general, the close-ups of them, I was like, they just, they're too goofy for me. It's just, even if I was a kid, I'd be like, really, this is the best you got. Not that I'm saying that the miniseries killed it on monsters, but I think the weird claymation that they did in that movie, or that miniseries worked better than in these, in these scares. And I think in the second one, especially, there's not many moments in the second one that I think are scary either. In fact, there's even a moment where Eddie's going downstairs to a pharmacy and, a monster throws up on him and it's like, just call me angel in the moon. I'm like, why would they put this funny song over this supposedly scary scene? It's almost like the filmmaker was like, you know what? This isn't really a scary movie. Let's make it more comical. And they did that I, a lot. I think Andy Machete is the wrong guy to direct this movie. I agree. Because he's, so his, his big hit before this was mama, which I like that one, which yeah. And what works about that is that you don't see the monster until almost the end of the movie. Right. Right. You see it like in shadows. And when you see the monster, it's like, eh. yeah, it's like, it's, it's just against CGI, the stuff that you have problem with in this, but the nature of this story is you need to see the monster. Yeah. These yeah, kids yeah. are the ones seeing the monsters and it, I think it goes against his, inclinations as a storyteller yeah i think a couple more things before we move on you know um one thing that really bothered me that i just thought made no sense whatsoever so you 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 know that there's some people who are going to watch this movie who have never seen the miniseries and never read the book there's a large percentage of people right i didn't understand why richie goes into the clown room and pennywise says beep beep richie it doesn't yeah. work for like 60% of people going, what the hell does that even mean? Because I never right. read the book and I was not a miniseries. And for me, I, I remember at the, literally at the movie theater, I literally sighed. I was like, yes, I think it's cute because I know what he's talking about, but it doesn't work. It just doesn't. It's a you bad, could, you know, it's. Yeah, you could even, again, it, that's one of those things where it's like, that to me is sloppy. It's not, yeah. it's not even like bad. It's just like, you could easily, even if you, like, even if the, you don't want these kids saying beep, beep, Richie all the time. And for those of you that don't know, in the book and in the miniseries, whenever Richie talks too much, one of the other kids goes beep, beep, Richie, meaning shut the fuck up, Richie. Yeah. And <laughs> if they like they could have had him do beep, beep, or they could have had some an entirely different. Like, you could have had the kids say shut the fuck up, Richie, or anything, you know, like figure it out it's like it's the 80s there's how much 80s slang is there that you could have dipped into and just changed it and just have pennywise say that but they're referencing the book in something that doesn't really have a basis in the movie right agreed and i guess my last point i'm sure i have a bunch more in my head but just the last thing that bothered me was they made every time i don't know Pennywise eats, and we know he eats a lot of kids off screen and stuff, but it's like he they make him really take his time eating anybody. I mean, there's one point where Pennywise turns into that scary painting for Stan. They walk in, and that painting is like has its mouth around Stan's head. And you're like, oh, that happened like three minutes ago. And then the kids walk in, and he takes his mouth off, and he didn't really bite him because he doesn't. He just didn't do it. That was like, how long does it take for Pennywise to do anything in this movie? And to to, to counterpoint that as well, to add on to that, uh, I should say, is that Tim Curry's Pennywise the Clown, he seemed to me like an entity that you really couldn't fucking beat. He was a an entity that was just too much. He will, he will kill you. And Skarsgård's Pennywise was like very, I feel like, easily to beat. They beat the shit out of him at the end of this movie. I mean, they really they take him down. Right. Um, and it's like, all you have to do is not fear him. And he's just like, oh, he whimpers. He, oh, oh. And like some of the lines he says, too, just didn't work. He's holding Bill and he's like, and you'll all thrive and lead happy lives. And well, I was that's like, what, that's what it does. Like no, when they're adults. No, I get it. I get yeah. it. But but the performance didn't carry through for me. Like, the, I, number one, I don't think Pennywise's voice works that well. I get that he was trying to make Pennywise more childish to a, appeal to more kids. But I think it was too it was too childish, you know. And the one one thing I do liked about Penny like about Pennywise is I loved in the beginning when he like was talking to Georgie and he drools. And I was like, it's so cool that he's drooling. That's such a cool thing. And then I read later on that it's because his prosthetic teeth 
that made him drool and the director was like that's cool and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't part of bill skarsgård's uh performance so again another another reason why it doesn't work for me so this I mean, is whatever like happy accidents happen on no i get that, it i get yeah. it but i i just think that and, and again bottom line is part two is a, is an absolute fucking train wreck whereas this movie this movie isn't a, a total shit show and and mainly because i think we can both agree of how amazing the kids are in this movie yes so i think and we'll get to this in metals the stuff that you like in the movie and the stuff that i like in the movie primarily comes from one person and after that person left the project other stuff kind of started sneaking its way in yeah and and i will say like you know we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it more so let's get two medals who's your bronze my bronze goes to nicholas hamilton who played henry bowers i thought he was excellent every scene he was in he just calculating and sadistic and vicious um the way he screams the way he yells one thing i noticed especially this last time watching is that the way henry yells his father yells the same way when, when Henry's father was yelling at his face for being, a, you know, calling him a little bitch or whatever he is, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool that the, both of them yell the same way. He gets it from his father, who's also obviously, you know, sadistic as well. And um, he does a great job here. He's just uh, he's he's menacing. He does all the right things to make you fear him completely. I just thought he did an amazing job. And that scene I mentioned when, you know, he, he murders his father and he gets the knife and all the stuff. Uh, great acting from this kid who I've never seen before. Uh, I think he deserves a place in this list. So um, he gets my he gets my bronze. So my bronze, I wanted to give a medal. It's a, it's a tie. I, I did want to recognize the the child actors in this because they do an excellent job. And I, I would say that the two uh, standouts from the losers are Finn Wolfhard who plays Richie and Sophia Lillis who plays Beverly. I think Sophia Lillis, like you said before, some of the most intense stuff is with her and her father, you know, in, in the movie. Yep. And she like kind of, she does a great job playing like the cool girl who's in the, you know, smoking in the fucking stall. And like, there's a lot of great character moments in that performance. And then Finn Wolfhard who kind of plays the bill role in uh in stranger things right uh gets the he really captures like the friend who he doesn't shut up you want him to shut up but you still want to keep him around yep you know he he walks that line of like yeah he's annoying but he's he's our annoying guy yep and i, I think there those are great performances and you know the whole losers gang does does a great job i feel like yeah. with what they're given yeah uh so who's your silver my silver's a tie. It actually goes to Finn Wolfhard and Jack Dylan Grazer, Eddie and Richie. Yeah. I thought the two of them and I, and I read that they do a lot of improv in this movie when they do the dialogue. And I think the it's hilarious. They do such a great job. And I like this. I like this. Um, this Eddie a lot compared to like, you know, the one from the book and from the miniseries is a little bit more like meek, you know, and he is in this movie, too. But. Some of the, I mean, some of the lines in this from Eddie are some of the funniest. Just just background lines that you can't hear, you know, when they're walking and you just hear Eddie talking about gray water and how things are, can infect you. And you just hear it so subtly in the background that it makes it so much more humorous and funny. Yeah. Um, and he's always nervous. And, and Richie's the complete opposite where Richie's just kind of like, come on, let's do it. And, da, da, da. and the two of them I, uh, balance each other out really, really well. Yeah, I like that in, in, in this that they are clearly kids. You know, they're like, yeah. If there were kids, even when you're facing something like horrific like that, kids are going to like bust on each other. And like, yeah, it, like that's that's just, you know, how friends are. And, and that's one thing that, that the director got right is that he he yes. made it seem like the dialogue was seamless. Like these kids are friends. They're not trying to be friends. We can tell that they're friends. That's a great um, segue into my silver. OK, because my silver is a tie between Andy Machete, the director and Carrie Fukunaga, who basically broke the story and a lot of the script is him well i didn't know that okay so the original yeah. director he was this he wrote a lot of the script he wrote, he still has a you can find the differences between the the scripts that they used and the script that they uh yeah they originally had you can find that online and a lot of it is still carrie fuginawa stuff uh fuginaga stuff excuse me and he a lot of the stuff that works for me the, the sort of creepier aspects of it are from him but Andy Machete does get those performances out of those kids mm-hmm. and that's a big part of what makes the movie work 
Yeah, yeah, he did a good job there for sure. Yeah, um, I think his problem is he struggles to once the thing is revealed, it's tough for him to make something scary. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, some of the some of the best stuff and the scarier stuff is like you said, it's like when Beverly's father like talks to her and it's just like it builds up and it's like you don't see this guy as a monster at first and it's like the reveal is what works for him yeah but but pennywise is on main street immediately you can't hide pennywise in this you know i I mean i guess you could and just like shoot it from like from pennywise's point of view and not see him i don't know but isn't there like a chapter in the book where there it it is from pennywise's point of view i remember being really eerie yes it's it kind of they have in the sequel they have bill on an acid trip or whatever and he kind of sees that but there's also like there's a ton of stuff and again this is why this doesn't necessarily work in you know in as as a movie because you know there's there's a lot of like pennywise or you know it whatever you want to call the, the creature is kind of like a primordial force in the book and he has an enemy which is the turtle uh, which is like big into like Stephen King like lore. In yeah, there's, the, a lot, there's a lot of turtle references in this one movie. A too. lot of turtle, yeah. But you see it, but they never talk about it in this right. or the sequel. Right. Yeah. You know, it's 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 stuff that I wish would have been more set up. But again, yeah. to get into even this is a long movie. Even to get into you know a two hour fifteen minute movie, whatever this is, you have to make some cuts because it's a massive fucking book. Right, right. And the sequel is three hours and it does it does it does worse with the time it's given. Yeah, it adds stuff that you don't yeah. need. That's right. that's the problem. And also I think the the structure of the story does work better when it's like you see Georgie's death and then it's like you see Stan kill himself. And it's like, what did this creature do to these kids? You know, what like how why what's going on? Like yeah, I, 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 yeah, you're you're right, you're right. But I feel like some of the performances didn't really show that. Like when when they finish with Pennywise in this movie, Stan is like, "All right, I gotta go home. I hate you." And then he smiles, yeah. and they all laugh. Stan doesn't seem to be that fucked up at that point. The Stan right. in the miniseries was like, "I don't want to be near any of you any any time yeah. ever." The, and one of the differences between the Fukunaga script and and the one that they, in the shooting script is that Beverly's not the one that sees the deadlights in the script. Stan does. And right. that makes sense that he would see the true form of this creature and it would fuck him up forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah, you're right. All right. So who's your, who's your goal? My gold is by far and away Sophia Lillis. Okay. She completely knocks us out of the park. She is the best in the movie by far. Everything she goes through, I feel everything she's going through from the scene in the stall where she gets the, the wet trash put on her head. Uh, people are making rumors about her that aren't true. Her father's a fucking pedophile. She has a really, really tough life. And I like when she's with the losers because it seems like you can kind of see her smile and kind of like joke around with Ben and stuff. And it seems like it's the only true happiness she has is with these people. And, you know, you could tell that they all got along in real life. You know that, you know, you can tell off the bat that like, okay, they, they got along, they have great chemistry and she just shines through so much. And it's funny. She shines through even more knowing at how bad uh, Jessica Chastain was in, in number two. She she literally was the complete opposite. I feel like of Sophia Lillis. She didn't yeah, capture I the role. Like Jessica Chastain is an actress. Just, everybody yeah. everybody was like, even the girl, even Sophia Lillis, yeah. when they asked her, they said, "Who do you want to play older you?" She said Jessica Chastain would be great. Uh, my gold medal goes to Bill Skarsgård, and I think it's you know it's not Tim Curry's performance, but I think it almost is more difficult because he has to actively not do tim curry you know which you know the creepy clown it's there's only so many directions you can go with that i feel like and he had sort of restraints put on him because he couldn't do the same thing because he wouldn't be able to do as well and i think what he does you know the eye thing the drooling whether or not that was his decision he rolled with it you know he could have said no that's part of his performance i think he is i think the character pennywise can be funny sometimes i think that's fine whether or not the effects do justice to him, uh, open for interpretation. Mm-hmm. I think I, I like the like his mouth opening like a fucking snake, you know. And there's like he's just made of teeth. Yeah, that that was a cool sequence. I didn't yeah. mind that at all. Um, 
I just, you know, and again, I, I think Skarsgård performance would have been even better if they just left it alone and kind of sure. been like, do your fucking thing, man. We're not going to play with yeah. computers. Yeah. And I, no. I like that. I like his performance is inhuman. You know, everything he does is just like, it's a little bit off. Like his cadence is weird when he talks. His, you know, his arm stretches out like his proportions are all weird his eyes are different like it's he's like how can i play something that's not a human being mm-hmm. and it's just like a demon clown and i think he does a great job with that and i you know for all the you know uh, detractions we can make from this movie i don't think you can say he didn't bring it and i, I think yeah, he's, he's yeah. probably to me the most memorable part of the movie yeah, yeah, maybe. And again, you know, people may disagree with me completely here. And like, that's fine. And, and like I said, I think you make a good point, though, because like everything he has to do can't be Tim Curry. So he has to play a different Pennywise. Yeah. Um, I just wish that like, you know, to avoid having to do crazy CGI, the original miniseries, they had Tim Curry, a, sh- a close up of his face opening his mouth with the teeth. And, you know, Georgie is done for. And it was eerie and it was scary. And it was like, holy shit, to see his mouth open up so... I just kind of like I could see the computerization, you know. I can, yeah. Here's you the know. thing, and I'll, I'll I'll say this on the miniseries: Tim Curry's performance is excellent. Mm-hmm. I really don't like much else about that miniseries. I did, like all the other characters are like given TV performances, and yeah, there's it's I, I have I have some real issues with it. Well, I mean, I think the music's better in the original series. It's fucking eerie as shit. It's so memorable. I think the kids do a great job. The I know the adults in that movie in the miniseries were like, ah, we just we just weren't the kids. The kids did better than us. Like yeah. they they seemed like buddies more so than the adults, you know. But I I appreciated it for for what it was. I think it's airy and kind of. I like the moodiness of it. <laughs> I think the one thing I got away from this movie was the uh, every time you see Pennywise in this movie, they're like, what noise should we make? Because in the Dark Knight, when you see the Joker, it's that like intense. Yeah, there's noise. two strings. And, this, yeah. and in this one, it's like. Rah, 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 rah. And it's like, okay, that was, that was good. Who came up with that? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I, I digress. All right. So let's, uh, speaking of people who are not Tim Curry, let's get to recasting. Now we, uh, we really just did Pennywise here, correct? We, yeah. It's, it's hard to do the kids. I mean, this is like three, three yeah. four years ago. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough to do kids. I'm not going to recast kids roles, uh, unless there's, unless there's someone who like absolutely jumps out, then I'll look at it. Right. But I just. I just feel weird looking up like child actors. <laughs> I mean, Rick, I guess what's going on good. with your IMDb? Yeah. You know, the, the CIA, the NSA, they're like, oh, what's this, this guy looking up? <laughs> 11 year olds, 12 year olds. Okay. Let's, let's fucking send someone to his door. He's uh, Googled 11 and 12 year old actors six times in the last two days. He has Googled actors born in 20, 2008. <laughs> six so times. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we just, I mean, and there's not very many, I mean, I guess there's a, there's a few adult roles we could do, but really it's Pennywise is the one. Yeah. yeah. So, so who did you have? Who did you have for Pennywise? I didn't think about this too much. I mean, yeah. I really just wanted to see the OG, the original person who was supposed to play this role in this movie. And that is Will Poulter. And I read that his audition was so terrifying and so good that uh, he got the role immediately and he had a drop out of the movie, unfortunately. And I would have loved to have seen him because he's just got a look about him. That's a little bit eerie. And I think what goes with you know, saying good thing of Bill Skarsgård is that Bill Skarsgård looks nothing like that clown. So yeah. one good thing about the performance is that I wouldn't have known it was Bill Skarsgård if you paid me a million fucking dollars. Sure. Um, but Skarsgård uh, family, great actors. Yeah, great actors for sure. Um, but I would, yeah, I would have loved to have seen. Uh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen uh, Will Poulter as this. I, someday, I, I think they had said that there is a, a a clip of his audition that's still hidden away. They said they'll release it someday. I'd love to see that audition. So I, I'm still hoping someday to see him do some dialogue from that movie. Be interesting. So my Pennywise, like I said, I you see Tim Curry and you see this, and to me it's. I just want to go as different as possible. And this is a person who, in my research, I read, they actually did consider for the role. And I read the name and I was like, I'd really like to see that. 
Tilda Swinton. Ooh, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because she has that very cold demeanor about her. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of things. But when she does bring, like, the fire, she fucking brings it. Yeah, she's she's good. I think she should play David Bowie in a biopic, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if You know, if Bowie was alive, he'd make a hell of a Pennywise. Yeah, uh, seriously. Yeah, that's, that's something that they probably didn't even consider, and they should have. Tilda's uh she's she she's they did know they did they oh, talked they, they, about oh, oh, they did you, talk if yeah. you look if you look at it the budget for this movie is very small considering mm-hmm. the amount of effect shots right right and that's I think they had um so this is a um this is Wikipedia so take with it whatever grain of salt you so choose but I mean, Will Poulter, very well known uh, for having had the the role and left. The other people that were considered, other than than Poulter, uh, Ben Mendelsohn had the role, but they they cut it. That would have been very interesting. They they cut his pay, and he was like, "Nope, see you later. I'm going to do 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 fucking Star Wars." Um, I, don't, I don't think I know who that is. Um, did you see Captain Marvel? Uh, no, I have not. Okay. Did you see the um, Rogue One, the Star Wars movie? No. Ben Mendelsohn? Ben Mendelsohn. Ready Player One. No, I didn't see that. I'm looking at pictures of him now. He looks yeah. old. He's probably in his 50s. Yeah, he looks like he'd be like an old Pennywise. He's a great like villainous actor. That would have been interesting because he usually plays like upper crust-ish villains. Right, uh, right. Mark Rylance would have been interesting. Kirk Acevedo who was a good actor, but I don't think would have been right for the role. Right. Uh, Hugo Weaving and Tilda Swinton, like we said. Those are the people that were considered. Mm-hmm. All would have been very different. I think Tilda Swinton, to me, I saw that name and I was like, I want to see that. Yeah, that would have been that would have been unbelievable. Uh, I just watched, uh, I just rewatched Michael Clayton. I just watched, rewatched Michael Clayton. And she plays like a, like a lawyer for, or like an executive for like a, company that's fucking like their product is poison and she's so fucking good in it she's so good i still gotta see that movie i actually have it on dvd and i've never seen it it's you know that's it's a fun one it's a fun one uh but she i'd like to see that there's a lot of people i think would have an interesting take on it but it's again you have to get away from you know a lot of things that that i was reading were like it was so soon after the dark night in like culturally even though it was nine years i guess that it's like well they don't want to do heath ledger and they don't want to do tim curry so it's like there's a narrow lane i feel like Mm -hmm. for for, for a lot of actors but did you have any miscellaneous not much i think i may have covered some of the miscellaneous. yeah we covered it i mean you're i was gonna say like you know the, the librarian in the background staring uh we talked about that i think a lot of this movie is like the images a lot of times are better than the actual scenes. The kid in the raincoat looking down in the sewer. That's a great image. The clown itself. Yeah, the I I that's that to me maybe sticks in like when I think of it, do I think of the performances necessarily? Other than Bill Skarsgard, probably not. I like the I I do like a lot of the designs. I think they could have been used a little bit differently, but I, I, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked certain images. They sort of pop for me. Yeah. And some images were just awkward to me too. Like there's a lot of awkwardness in the second film, but this this one, especially Bev is like taken to like Pennywise's lair, which I didn't like that. Like, I didn't like the lair. Like I liked in the original where there really wasn't a lair, which is just, you know, ongoing tunnels forever. See, my, Um, my problem is I don't have a problem with the lair. But I have a problem that it was like Beverly is the damsel in distress. Right, right. They took her, and then he does that like weird dance on stage with the fire in the. And I was like, I, I, it doesn't work at all. See that that worked for me because it was like, it not not because it was necessarily scary because it was like bizarre. 
it was bizarre in the opposite direction for me. Like, you know, I like bizarre stuff, you know, but uh, this, this didn't work for me specifically, but you know, there's a lot of people. I, I, when this movie came out, I fought with people on the internet for weeks about this movie. And some people think it's the greatest thing that ever hit the screen and uh, good for them. If it works for you, then keep watching it. But you know, it's just as a big fan of the original miniseries and, and a big fan of the, you know, what the book brings uh, this just, uh, this, this was a foul ball for me. Okay. And uh, it, it definitely wasn't a strikeout like the second one was. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the Oscars. I don't think we're getting it in there, but you never know. Let's talk about this year. The Oscars took place in 2018. A lot of nominees for Best Picture this year. So this is a year where The Shape of Water won. So they were definitely in a genre kind of mood. Uh, other nominees were Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. A lot of good movies there. I like Shape of Water. I like Call Me By Your Name. I like Get Out. I like Three Billboards. A lot of great movies there. Yeah, I, would so- not, I would not make a case for it to, to replace any of those. Yeah, me neither. Best Director. Guillermo del Toro wins. I don't know. I don't know if I want to get a director as a Rick's guy, but we'll, we'll, when we cover him, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, he wins for Shape of Water. Christopher Nolan for nominated for Dunkirk. Jordan Peele for Get Out. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. Stacked category. No way I'm going to the case. We're going to be out of here. Same. Best actor. Who would even be the lead actor in this movie? Well, there isn't really one. Because, yeah. I mean, there's a st- the, the the performance you think of is Bill Skarsgård. Bill he, Skarsgård. Has four, he has four and minutes of dialogue in the entire yeah. movie. And that's going to be supporting, if anything. Yeah. So let's talk supporting actor. Sam Rockwell wins for three billboards outside of Missouri. Willem Dafoe is nominated for the Florida Project. Woody Harrelson for three billboards as well. Richard Jenkins for Shape of Water. And Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World. I would make a soft case to replace Christopher Plummer because if you recall this story, that was the role that acquaintance of the show Kevin Spacey had to drop out of because of his uh, troubles, let's say. Well, who's, who, would you, who would you think would replace him? If, if anyone would be Bill Skarsgård. Oh, I think you said he was best supporting. This would be best supporting. Oh, it is best supporting. Okay. This would be best supporting, best. yes. Okay, gotcha. So, and Christopher Plummer, I feel like got the nomination because, which is fine. It's a, it's a good performance, but he kind of just got the nomination. I feel like a big part of it was he shot the movie in like three weeks because he was on such short notice for, for Kevin Spacey. So I'll make a soft case for Bill Skarsgård here. I'm going to go ahead and say no for me, but. Okay. It's going to be a no from you, dog. (laughs) Yeah. Best Supporting Actress, do you want to talk about Sophia Lillis for this? Yeah, depending on the list, I suppose. Okay. Allison Janney wins for I, Tonya. Mary J. Blige is nominated for Mudbound. Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. Hmm. I've not seen Mudbound. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to say no on this one, too. I think yeah. she has a great performance, but I think she's just getting started. Yeah, I think that's know? a name we're going to be seeing and hearing and talking about for yeah. for years to come. Yes. So I think, I mean, this may not, <laughs> I mean, go back to, I guess, this Oscar series that we did when we talked about Michael Caine all the time being like, we're going to see this kid up here. Haley Joel Osment, you're going to win so many of these. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Michael Caine. <laughs> we're gonna do asshole. a Michael Caine movie that we really, we really like. So yeah, we, I know. So we can stop shitting on him. Seriously, poor guy. I love Michael Caine. So now, Derek, we come to the most important and maybe the most difficult part of the podcast. That hey, we, we we love him in Gold Member. We we love him in Gold Member. We yes. love him in a lot of things. We love him as Alfred. Yeah, we love him. In, he's got some a great seventies run, but. Now we come, and I hope you're prepared for this, Derek. <laughs> I, I haven't thought of it until right now. We'll see which direction I take. You need to make the case, and I'm expecting you to make a case. Oh, man. As best you can. Don't, don't fuck around here. This is important. That It, Chapter 1, is the greatest movie <laughs> of all time. Are 
are you ready? Do you need to take a minute? Or do you want me to plug stuff away first? You want me to you you want me for 30 seconds to tell you why this That's movie we just discussed that why you it's shit the on for the last hour plus. I want I want you to tell me and I want you to look deep inside. What makes this? If you had to if you were on trial, you're a lawyer. Every single movie and every single person deserves an advocate. Okay. And you have to advocate for this movie as the greatest movie of all time. That's your job here. Okay. Are you ready? Do you need a minute? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. It chapter one is the greatest film of all time. It is the most horrifying movie I've ever seen in my life. The kids in this are incredible. They're so good. You can tell their friends. Uh, so, so good. Every scene just makes sense. This should never be a show on HBO or something like that. It should always just be a movie because it works. Everything's explained so well. I'm such an advocate for this movie. I'm going to fucking kill myself. That's time. Before you killed yourself, that was... That was time. Oh, that was hot. Next time we went, next time we do one of these that you don't like, pull in stuff you do like. Find that. Find. Hey, the, you know what? You know, I did. I did. I like the kids. The kids like are great. The kids. All right. And, and, and let, let's just say that the, the I, reca- I, I sense some sarcasm. In the, there, the, 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 you know, the casting they did in part two, eighty percent of it was really good. Yeah, I liked Eddie. <laughs> Ed, yeah, the guy who plays Eddie was great. I, I think, I think a lot of the casting. I, the cast, I think, is not the problem there. Right, right. I, I think there's the there's a lot of problems with part two that yeah. we will talk about next week in our episode. No, I'm kidding. Uh, surprise, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe for next year's sequel month. We'll, we'll see. This yeah. <laughs> no, this, this is fun. It's it's good to do a movie that we're not just uh, you know sucking. It's uh, that we're not just uh, you know. <laughs> giving a pat on the back let's say yeah yeah that's true yeah all, all the time you know I, I think um i think everyone's i mean we're gonna get to movies coming up here by the end of the year that i'm gonna be harder on maybe than some people are expecting so stay tuned on that I'm, I'm gonna give you all a new a new segment a new derek segment where i give the give a movie a grade robert Crisco style it chapter one gets a solid, a solid D plus for me. You know what? Save that energy for our countdown episode in a couple of weeks. All right. So we can we can go there. I'm listen, we uh we got a list in, and I feel like the ballots coming in are gonna be very interesting. They're gonna make very interesting. I still have it. I'm I'm waiting to just so I can finish Avatar. Yeah. Once I finish that, I'm gonna be able to have a really good look at everything and just like it's gonna be tough. But I put in I put in my list. I feel like I could change it. I have I have a rough draft of my my ballot, but we only have two movies left before we before we get to there. So let's. You believe we've done 48 of these fucking things? 48, baby. So next, let's talk about next week here. Next week. We are having a guest on. Isn't that fun? We are having Jack Manning, the most British guest that we've had thus far. Definitely the most British. The most English guest that we've had. And we're talking, catch me if you can, back to Spielberg. From King to Spielberg, two future Stephen guests of the show. Stephen, Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. Open invitation to be on the show at all times. Please, please, I feel like King would probably come on before Spielberg. You know, maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, week after that, though, our fiftieth episode. Like we mentioned, we are doing the highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. James Cameron's Avatar. Oh boy, we're gonna do a lot of Cameron going forward, and this is an interesting. You know, this is one of those movies where maybe the story surrounding the movie is more interesting than the movie itself. But you know what? I haven't watched it in a few years. Maybe when I do watch it in a couple of weeks, get some different feelings. We'll see. Hell of a ride at Disney World. I, I haven't done it. Oh, man, we're going to talk. There's going to be a solid five to ten minutes of the episode where I'm just talking about fucking theme parks. So get ready. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and then week after that, 
as we head into, we're going to be, I mean, you know what? It's August the 23rd as we record this today. This is, uh, is coming out on August the 26th. By the time we get three short episodes away to our countdown of all 50 movies that we've done, it's going to be goddamn autumnal. We're basically in the fall at this point. Yeah. I'm looking forward to but it. We're having, well. uh, we're going to have a good time with that episode. We're going to have our good friend Chris Bonapani back on the show to talk about all these movies. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to have a lot of fun. We hope you will join us for all of those episodes. And then we're going to get into, uh, I won't say what movies, but uh, two animated movies after that. So can't wait for that. Stay tuned. Yes. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming. Lots of fun. So that has been our episode on It, Chapter 1. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know, by the way, if you disagree, if this, is, if this movie is your shit and you disagree with us, send us an email. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Tell us. Search for the greatest movie of all time. At Rick and Rick on Instagram. We are at Great Movie Cast on Twitter greatest movie pod at gmail.com let us know open invitation to fight open me about invitation yes fist if, fight me yes if you think wreck has wrecked the show with his opinion <laughs> let us know since but, day one since day one wreck has been wrecking this sh- wrecking show. show yep so I do want to thank you so much for listening to this episode, to all our episodes. We truly appreciate you. And as always, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Rick the Big Dick Boski, who would definitely eat cotton candy and drink chocolate milk during, the, during this movie. Oh, cotton candy and chocolate milk. I'm sorry, we forgot about that. Why, why that? Well, clown, you know? So it um, is cotton candy and chocolate milk's fun. Popcorn? I mean, not to be basic, it's a movie, but... I know. They talk about well, it. Well, you know, I do like how they pop, 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 pop. Yep. So, popcorn. All right. I've been Rick Barrasso. And I, I have been the one and only greatest co-host of all time. Wreck. The Big Deck Boski. Smitherelli. Keep watching, everybody. <laughs>